Kari Kondabolu, described by the New York Times as one of the most exciting political comics in standard today, as well as other comics. IIBA is a nonprofit with a 101-year history of providing services to refugees and immigrants. Join us Thursday, April 25th at the Wheelchair Accessible Cowell Theater located at 2 Marina Boulevard in San Francisco. For tickets and sponsorship opportunities, call 415-538-8100, extension 251, or visit the IIBA website at www.iibayarea.org for more information. You're listening to KPFA 94.1 in Berkeley, KPFB 89.3 in Berkeley, and KFCF 88.1 in Fresno. The ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Now, lately, as you all know, there's been a hell of a lot of talk about race, about maybe even reparations for black Americans. I, I'm i trying to get my mind around our history. Uh, I've been watching Henry Louis Gates, wonderful little guys of scholar glasses, walks with a limp. Uh, so, so, what is that? Uh, he, he looks like a public intellectual, and of course that's what he is. I have been watching his shows on the uh, reconstruction, so-called, that occurred after our civil war and the ways in which it morphed or evolved into Jim Crow, into the, I guess I'll just call it ugly uh, race relations that developed after the Civil War. Uh, I, I think, let me let me tell a little uh, joke. I recently watched a TV show about a deluded, older, uh, so-called white male. Uh, he, he fiercely, he fiercely claimed Aryan ancestry. And he wasn't kidding. Uh, he believed in white supremacy. No, he was not uh, thus far a terrorist or anything, but he came on television with his Nazi propaganda and paraphernalia, and he was willing, he said, to submit to a DNA test to prove that white supremacy was uh, the real thing, and that he was an Aryan, whatever that means, I suppose he thought he would come from uh, some of the white tribes in Europe somewhere. Anyway, he did submit to the tests, and they came back telling him that his heritage, his ancestry, was 
15% sub-Saharan African. <laughs> Poor man was stunned. Uh, it was kind of a comedy. There was a cheerful woman of color, the MC on this talk show, uh, one of those uh, beautiful and uh, fiercely funny black women who seem to be television's best asset. Anyway, she jumped up out of her chair and went over and offered him her hand, calling him bro. <laughs> now, he, of course, pretended or seemed to believe that there had been a mistake somewhere. We all know how that is done. Uh, and I thought, indeed, there has been a mistake, uh, a big mistake, uh, in Toni Morrison's book, Jazz, she writes, oh, she writes uh, pages about this issue, but basically she says that race has come to mean, oh, many, 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 many things in this culture, but more than anything else, uh, it means class. Now, that's a word that most people don't throw around, but... Uh, You've heard of class warfare, haven't you? Yes, that's the only time we talk about class. Anyway, it's a class marker when you listen to uh, what is called black English. Uh, ebonics, you remember all the fuss about Ebonics. Uh, there was a lot of talk about the black idiom. And uh, it's always, always a class marker. I remember talking to students uh, in uh, even in middle school, and they knew that the word "ask" a s k was pronounced "ask," not "axe." When they go for job interviews, they they would change it. But uh, I think at at the time, I'm thinking back to the seventies, Entosaki uh, Shange's play. Uh, for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough. Now, this masterwork is, of course, art speech. It's full of idiosyncratic expression. Call it ebonics if you like. Uh, but uh, <laughs> for the most part, when young folks go to get an interview for a job, uh, meet the public or, you know, uh, work in an office, their accents uh, are the class marker right along with their color. Uh, I, I don't know, I think, I've heard Swedish accents, French accents, always that's a plus. Well, almost always. I think, I think uh, it's hard to pin down, but I've never known uh, uh, a young person very uh, well, let's call them an adolescent, who spoke entirely in black English. They are never treated the same way that young people are treated if they have what we call perfect English. Now, Henry Louis Gates is a public intellectual, and we've seen uh, not just his shows, but shows about him, about his story, and his shows are all about how it was back in the day, days after Abraham Lincoln died. Now, uh, of course, 
as I said, uh, Gates is a public intellectual, and uh, he's also uh, involved in many shows about African African experience, entirely different story. But the uh, colonial world and the world after the Civil War is presently being featured on PBS. Uh, Abraham Lincoln worked hard for Reconstruction. He knew that it wasn't enough just to write Emancipation Proclamation, blah, blah. He wanted black Americans invited in, wanted them to become citizens, and there was indeed a flowering of democracy right after the war. <laughs> I always think of that brief period in Germany, a democratic flowering between the two world wars. It's called the Weimar Republic. Wham! When that ended, women were banned from the Reichstag. Now, uh, our reconstruction uh, that turned to destruction was just as hard or as tough on black Americans as the Weimar Republic. Uh, let's, I think, stick with the women. Uh, I, I wish that there was more reference these days to the plight of black women, black mothers. Uh, I, I'm not trying to say that we should uh, ignore the uh, incarceration rate the horrors of Alabama, which matched the horrors of slavery in the old time. But uh, women sometimes are overlooked. Uh, anyway, all of those individuals who had been given their freedom were, in effect, fired, uh, told to you know, get out. You don't live here anymore. You're free. Where to go, what to do. A lot of nice TV about that. A uh, long-running show called Roots uh, tries to show what happened to these people, where they went, how they put things together. There certainly was no 40 acres on a mule. That was a promise made by government. And uh, <laughs> didn't work out that way. And somehow, land, oh well, all land, one way or another, belonged to uh, white, white masters, I have to call them. Uh, the heirs of Thomas Jefferson fascinate me. Uh, Jefferson died in great amount of debt, and his daughter, uh, she, she had to sell a number of his slaves. She was not able to give them all. Freedom. I'm sure she tried, but uh, most of them were sold, sold, sold. Uh, I, I think of the people who uh, did not even own the cabins where they had lived for so many years. Uh, Ex-slaves, ex-slaves, of course, what would they do? They went to work for their former owners. The master-slave relationship, well, that just went right on, continued right on from where it had been. Uh, when the economic chips were down, sharecropping was mostly the choice of masses of southern captives, I would call them, 
freed captives. Uh, you know about sharecropping. It means that a proportion of your profits from your crops uh, were claimed by your former owners. And sometimes it was only a pittance left for the people who had done the work. Uh, now, the failure of Reconstruction, that is the failure of uh, not just the government but the whole society, to make a place uh, for black Americans who had been freed. Uh, it has resulted in the destruction, the destruction of what anyone could call uh, democracy for black Americans, especially down south. Uh, never mind all those amendments. Those amendments were meant to restore the promises of citizenship. Indeed, indeed. I have a footnote here. I always hate to mention women. It sounds so self-aggrandizing, but you may have noticed that something called the Equal Rights Amendment for Women has yet to pass and go into the Constitution where it belongs. Now, some people say it doesn't matter, that there are other laws, but uh, I, for one, would very much like it uh, if somebody, somebody in this Congress would get busy and pass the Equal Rights Women for Women, Equal Rights for Women Amendment. I, I just sputter as I say it because I'm very angry about that. And most of the time, really most of the time, people tell me it's wasteful to uh, natter on about that. I mean... <laughs> As Kennedy used to say, uh, somebody talked about uh, uh, promises uh, for the women, things that uh, they want. And uh, Kennedy, that's Jack Kennedy, said, well, I'm sure it wasn't enough, whatever it was. Anyway, uh, never mind women. Let us hope that they come along, uh, come along with the Lincoln assassination, yes, Political power just, what is it, swung back to the old order. Some promises were made in good faith at the end of the war, but all the promises were taken back, taken away. There was a complete rejection of black Americans in the socioeconomic fabric of our nation. The Pictures of the lynchings, uh, they were illegal now, but they went right on happening. They were uh, comparable to the witch hunts, the witch hunt hunts in Europe. And uh, most of us prefer to forget about all that. We do know about Jim Crow, that is the separate but equal, all the blah, blah, all the ways that Black Americans were dissed, <laughs> as I love to say. Tradition, it, it was called tradition. Sounds so wise coming from southern, uh, southern whites. It's, uh, what is it? It's the name of oppression. It is the name of Something, something. It was the name of slavery. 
slavery by another name. Yes. The relationship between owners and freed slaves was exactly what it had always been. And uh, they, they simply told their uh, slaves, their workers, that they were lucky to have a job. Uh, and, you know, tote that mail. Uh, now, there was a second reconstruction we dated in 1968, maybe earlier. I remember the Freedom Rides of the 1950s. Oh, boy. Uh, many Americans, many whites, got onto the buses and went down south to register black voters in order to bring black Americans into the mainstream, into uh, citizens... What do you call that? Not just so much rights, but the family, yes, make them part of our national family. It's strange James Baldwin once wrote that uh, he never knew that he was an American until he stepped off a plane in France. <laughs> I found that his, his, main, his main identification was as an American. Go figure. Uh, I think the 1950s were my initial exposure to, uh, what do we call it? Oh, the names, the names. Uh, let us say cruelty, the cruelty of the South and uh, the ways, the mean ways in which black Americans were denied the vote. If you look around, I think you'll see that happening again. Uh, some recent, some recent help. Uh, a few justices saying, "No, you can't do that. Uh, can't put all those uh, nonsensical uh, determinants in the uh, in the little little uh, the little things you fill out. You know, to say yes, I have a right to vote, and it's not just because I'm an American citizen. It's because." I know the uh, the obscure little passage in the Constitution that nobody ever remembers, but uh, if I don't remember it, I don't get to vote. That kind of thing. Anyway, Henry Louis Gates is the man who has put together a history of his people's rocky road to freedom. And he knows that it was not just the abolition of slavery, the legal ab abolition, but that it was a change of heart that was needed and that the dialogue, he knew, must continue as it has now for many years. Reparations is extremely confusing. I uh, am so innocent or goofy that I thought affirmative action would do the job. Uh, most of what I heard from white Americans was that they were being pushed out of jobs or having their privileges taken away by black Americans. Uh, somehow, many, many individuals seem to feel that there's just so much to go around and that if black Americans get it, they 
won't. Sad, sad, sad. I, I used to wonder <laughs> what would happen. Well, I, I do remember at one point when I was job hunting, I was told that uh, black women were a twofer. If you were a corporation and you hired both a black and a woman and they were the same individual, you get two points of affirmative action. How about that? It's called a twofer. Uh, well, whatever works. My notion, well, I always thought we should send in the Marines. I thought that we should send the uh, National Guard down south to put those children in the schools. But it may be that antagonizing the mainstream is the wrong way. Now, Martin Luther King told us that we must follow the example of Gandhi. We must be completely nonviolent. The young children desegregating the schools, they were taught to hold still and just let the other students throw things at them, etc. I, I remember watching some of the horrors. Uh, it was not just the hoses. I, for, for me, the worst part was the hideous name-calling, uh, all those little uh, hate crime boards in the air. Cruel, cruel. Uh, it seems to me that any individual who had to run the gauntlet of those uh, efforts at desegregation, not integration yet, that their lives would be changed forever. Humiliation uh, never, never is forgotten. I am assuming, or I've got to assume, that all the people who went through that, who took a deep breath, and went into white schools, say, and uh, tried to make do, tried to get good grades, tried to be, uh, what is that, what is the word? Tried to be uh, upstanding, upstanding in the face of danger. Yes, I think they probably, the ones that we see on TV, they always are portraits of courage but I'm sure there were many, many uh, young children who went home crying, saying, I don't want to be called the N-word. Over and over, I saw that happening. Uh, young children just giving up in the face of mean-spirited opposition. Never mind. I checked out a movie the other day, uh, <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg and uh, Sissy Spacek. Whoopi said, oh, nobody saw it, you know. She said, I tried to make those movies, but nobody saw it. Anyway, the two women, they they uh, did a docudrama about the bus boycott. You remember that. And Whoopi is the maid, and uh, her, uh, her uh, I was going to say her owner, no <laughs> The woman she works for, Sissy's Basic, gets out the car and goes to get her. Well, that uh, doesn't go over very well. So Whoopi has to walk all the way to work. And round and round they go. And finally, 
things begin to heat up. And Sissy Spacek's husband is just about to hit, well, the fan. He's about to lose his job and he's standing in the community because his wife is out there protesting. And uh, I think, well, the Whoopi Goldberg, what is it, routine, her, her funny stuff, uh, wasn't really useful in the movie, but uh, sometimes it crept in and it gave the film a little chutzpah. But Whoopi's probably right. It was probably not on the list of movies most watched that year. I thought it was terrific. Uh, I'm not too sure where the movies and plays and books fit in when it comes to change. I do believe, and I think there's proof, that the movies, the television, the uh, images are the number one way to change things and help help young people find a new a new perspective. Uh, anyway, uh, I think of LBJ in the nineteen sixties. He doesn't get much credit. All he got was uh, punishment for Vietnam. Yes, LBJ. How many kids did you kill today? Ah, poor LBJ. Uh, He managed to pass civil rights legislation that was the best, the best to come. Uh, Just came right along, and things did change. Our present condition owes its uh, legality to his efforts to make things equal, to give black Americans share of the pie, as they say. Uh, However, we're seeing a new wave of backlash. Uh, I I date the worst, uh, the worst time that changed the swing to the arrival of Ronald Reagan in 1980. That's when the big backlash started. That's 20, 38 years ago. I have a little photograph of my children leaning against my little brown shingle mansion here in Berkeley, and one of them has an apple on his head, and the other one has a little sign, a little sign that is carried in, let's see, you know, that you carry in the protest. It says, Jelly Bean is a lemon. I'm sure you don't remember that Ronald Reagan was very fond of jelly beans. He was a sugar addict. For that, I forgive him. I'm a sugar addict myself. But I'm afraid that uh, Ronald Reagan is not given the proper credit for all the damage he did. I remember once getting a phone call saying that I had been mean or unkind in (laughs) in my commentary on Ronald Reagan. Uh, They seem to think, the person who sent me this message, they seem to think that Ronald Reagan was a dear old guy, and that was certainly the image he projected. Yes, very, very smiley actor. But uh, if you remember correctly, he wouldn't even get on the bandwagon when it came to 
South Africa. He was very polite about it, very polite, but he just said, no deal, we're not going to put any uh, cash, not going to put any real shoulder behind that wheel. Uh, let them do as they please. Uh, he wasn't about to fight apartheid. Uh, what he did was undo the work of decades, decades of social legislation. Uh, I was going to say, I, I, I uh, must remember to mention that Bill Clinton did the same thing to get a second term, right? He, he uh, really slashed benefits to the women who need funds for child care as well as uh, funds just to, you know, to uh, have a home. Violent extremism poses a social justice crisis as our liberation movements are set up to oppose each other. How do we stay connected and reach for each other in these very difficult times? On May 11th, you are invited to join Kahila Community Synagogue in a fundraising event featuring a conversation with Alicia Garza, co-founder of Black Lives Matter. Ms. Garza will address how people in different liberation movements can work together to dismantle white supremacy and anti-Semitism. Join us Saturday, May 11th, 7 p.m. at First Presbyterian Church in Berkeley. We expect a sold-out event. For tickets and more information, go to kahilasynagogue.org or call 510-547-2424, extension 216. Thank you. <laughs> 